Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Agree to Disagree. I'm Aiden Chard. Alongside me is Noah Schwartz, Dean Gutick, and Jack Acello. How is everybody doing on this lovely Saturday morning? What is going on, everybody? Excited to be back in the VIC studio. Great to be here. First, first show back? I think it's, what, our fifth semester? Uh, on agree to disagree, we've it, done this a long time. If you count, if you count the uh, end of spring twenty twenty and fall twenty, uh, fall twenty twenty, then yeah, it would be because we were we were mostly online those two semesters. Yeah, that's crazy. We've been doing. The, oh no, it would be our fourth then. No, fifth. Yeah, fifth. fifth. Wow. Fifth. So we we've been doing this for a while. Um, and if you don't already follow us, give us a follow on Instagram, agree to disagree, VIC, and Twitter, A2D underscore VIC. We put all of uh, – we, we, we promote there. We tweet there. Give us a follow. We also put our stuff onto Spotify when we can, so check us out there too. But in the meantime, let's get right into this. We have a lot of topics today. It's been a while without us. You guys need us uh, to tell you all about our, 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 our favorite sports, your favorite sports, and a lot has gone on. So we're going to start with a big topic right now with the NFL. Coaching hires, obviously, every season we get the fired coaches and then we get the coaching carousel. Who's going to come in? So far, what, three teams have named coaches, right? The Jaguars. The Jaguars. The Giants. The Giants. Oh, right, the Bears. I forgot about the Bears. Bears. And the Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders and the... And the Vikings, the Vikings. are close. The Vikings are, close. Vikings are really yeah. close. Vikings are close, but they have not named a guy yet. So we're still waiting on... We still got the Vikings, the Saints... The Texans, the Broncos, the Broncos, the Broncos got a coach. Right, right, right. So three, three teams still waiting to and, hire. And Miami, right? And Miami, I forgot about. Yeah, uh, and we're going to talk about Miami. So yeah. I mean, let's start. Let's start. We'll get into Brian Flores in a minute, um, and and everything that's going on with the NFL and with him. But let's start with I think the reactions to the coaches that have been hired so far. So are there any? Hires that you guys think stand out for good or for bad? Uh, one hire that I think is definitely interesting for was uh, the Jaguars hire of Doug Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson obviously has won a Super Bowl. I'm not a super fan of Doug Peterson. Early on, I really liked him a lot, but everything that happened with Philly on his way out, they, it was just bad, bad vibes all around it. Uh, he kind of did ruin Carson Wentz in a way. So they're trusting a guy that just ruined a franchise quarterback to come and build up another one in Trevor Lawrence. I don't necessarily think that's a great idea, but I'm not going to take away from the fact that he did win a Super Bowl, and at one point the Eagles looked like they could possibly be a dynasty. But this is either going to be a great hire or a terrible hire. There's no in-between. Personally, just because I like him better, I would have gone with a guy just because that organization is so dysfunctional right now. Brought in a guy who you know is going to stabilize things and bring legitimacy. I would have liked a guy like Mike Zimmer a little bit more so. Mike Zimmer is interesting because he got a lot of crap for his time in Minnesota for not utilizing his team to the best of their abilities. But I think you're right to develop a young quarterback and to just kind of get get a dysfunctional franchise functional again. He could have been a good hire. I like Peterson. I mean, I, I know that he gets a lot of criticism for the end of the Philly tenure. But to me, that Jacksonville organization needs credibility more than anything else. Because even this coaching hiring process was a disaster in a lot of ways. I mean, asking guys for permission very late in the process. They had the longest of anybody, considering they fire Urban during the season. And it took them almost one of the longest teams to get a head coach in there. It's also so, not like they're an undesirable team, like the way they, the way the Texans were 
last season, the way nobody wanted to go to the Texans. Well, it seemed like it was Jacksonville, though, because they had a million coaches come in there. I mean, even Byron Leftwich, who they almost yeah. hired, apparently walked out of there and didn't have a job because he didn't want to work with the GM, and they yeah. wanted to keep the GM around. So they need credibility in Jacksonville more than anything, and they needed somebody who, to me, is offensive-minded to work with Trevor Lawrence. They got both in Doug Peterson. I think he gives them uh, some stability there. And just somebody who's won before, where in Jacksonville they haven't really won anything in 25 years as being a franchise, at least they have somebody who's won a Super Bowl in Peterson who can true, teach true. a young quarterback how to win. Dean, what you got? I agree with Noah. I actually like this hire. And considering the process that the Jaguars had, the, um, considering how disa- much of a disaster it was, I'm surprised that they actually got a solid result out of it. Um, That's fair. You know, I, I thought that they were going to go with Leftwich until they decided to retain their coach, um, their GM, which I know a lot of fans are unhappy about in Jacksonville. But uh, d- I think Doug Peterson could work well with a young talent like Trevor Lawrence. Um, and at this point, Lawrence needs a guy that's offensive-minded. Um, P- like Noah said, you know, Peterson has a lot of credibility. He's got a good offensive mind. Um, not like Adam Gase, offensive mind, but... Um, <laughs> Someone that at least could help try and develop Trevor Lawrence, especially with what uh, Trevor's been through his first year, which was a roller coaster ride. I'm, I'm just going to give, like, I think the Jags deserve a small shout out because outside of hiring Urban Meyer, the franchise has done basically all that's within their power of trying to improve the franchise the past couple of years. Urban Meyer was a horrible move. But right now they're making a coaching hire that's good. They've, Why don't they fire the GM? They should fire the GM, but he's made some he's made some solid moves, and he's gotten the the guys that they had to trade. They had to, the guys that they did trade. They had to trade because their relationship with the team got ruined, and they were that was not going to be fixed. So it shouldn't have been ruined in the first place. But once it was ruined, they had to get rid of them, and they were able to get good return for guys like Ramsey, for guys like Ngakwe, and they they did have to completely destroy a nearly Super uh, Bowl-bound team from 2017. But what they've done since then to try and build it back, I think they're doing a solid job so far, and Peterson is a good step in the process. That's fair. I mean, they shouldn't be winning three games in two years. but No, they should not. And right. they shouldn't have the first overall pick two years in a row. Should we yeah. talk McDaniels? Because I think he's an interesting I think McDaniels is another interesting Definitely. one. Yeah, I, I like Josh McDaniels um, as an offensive coordinator. I don't like him really as a head coach. And here's why I said that. And I, I talked about this with Jack a couple days ago off the air. For as great as he is as a coordinator, the one thing that he admitted in his press conference uh, when he got introduced by the Raiders a couple days ago was that the thing that really messed him up in Denver a decade ago was that he wasn't very communicative with his coaches, his players, everyone on the staff, and it led to some off-the-field stuff that really wasn't ideal. The problem that I think he's going to face with the Raiders is that this is a team with a bunch of guys who have had a lot of problems off the field. Not to mention Henry Ruggs, but they have other guys who are actually still on the team. Nate Hobbs is one name. Damon Arnett was here for a long time. They've just had a lot of guys with off-the-field stuff. Even Max Crosby and Darren Waller have had pass with different things go on for them. So, to me, McDaniels is not someone who's a player's coach who's going to put their arms around these guys and make them feel loved and wanted. He's sort of a military general in the way that Belichick is. You know, he worked in New England for 15 years. Like, that's to be expected. So I just don't think this is a great fit with the Raiders organizationally. I know he knows what he's doing offensively in terms of developing players and maybe helping Carr out even become better than he's been. 
But to say that he's going to be the right culture fit within this team, I, I don't really see that happening. There's also two things to note. I mean, like you said, Carr, fantastic quarterback. This is probably they're, – they're coming to the point where the Raiders need to decide what they're going to do with the future for, at quarterback because they could realistically shop Carr, get a good pick out of it, or get a, get a younger quarterback out of it and try to rebuild anew because we've seen their star wide receiver who they were going to try to build around in jail, possibly for life, never coming back to the NFL. Uh, Darren Waller has played well, starting to age. He came into the league relatively old. And the defense has been steadily improving. So this might be the time to start a new on offense. But it's not as if Derek Carr is playing horribly. He's playing at a, you know, a playoff level. He brought them to the playoffs. So... It's going to be a tough job for McDaniels to decide what to do at quarterback. They also have Mariota backing him up. Uh, they oh, still have yes. Mariota, right? Yes. I think he's a free agent, though. Did, I'm pretty sure. did he? Yeah. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Don't forget about Nathan Peterman. And Peterman. But so it could be a, a time for Josh McDaniels to make a big decision that he hasn't had to make. And that's the other thing. Like you said, what went wrong with the Broncos? Josh McDaniels, when you really think about it, probably has very little power on the Patriots. Josh McDaniels, all that guy is doing is calling plays, and he calls plays beautifully, but he's not making personnel decisions. He's not deciding who to trade. He's not deciding who to draft. That's Belichick. Belichick likes control, and Belichick is controlling the entire Patriots offense. Josh McDaniels doesn't have experience in that, and that's really what sunk him in Denver because he wasn't ready for it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and even with this hire, when I really think about it, even though Josh McDaniels has lots of experience— I feel he still has something to prove because outside of one year, he's only been able to – he's made an offense work, but he's had Tom Brady do it the whole time. The one time he didn't have Tom Brady was with Kyle Orton and Tim Tebow. And I think we can all agree that didn't work out so well. So he has a good, t- talented quarterback in Derek, Carr this t- in Derek Carr this time. It should work. But also this time – and he still has to prove that like he can be a head coach. As we can all remember, his when he was going to be hired by the Colts and then he kind of ran away and went back to Brady. This time, he doesn't have that protection. So he really has something to prove here. And this hire really did surprise me because I really thought why he stayed in New England is because they guaranteed him that he was— I thought they were going to guarantee him that he was going to take over after Belichick. That was the only plausible reason I I thought that he stayed there. So to me, that whole thing didn't make any sense. But it's a solid hire. Lot, Lot to prove. Hopefully he's ready. I have to agree. I mean, I didn't expect the Raiders to go this way and hire McDaniels. I mean, I thought the GM hire was good. Was it uh, Ziegler? Ziegler? Yeah. I thought that was a good pickup by the Raiders. But um, this will be a new start for McDaniels. I mean, things didn't pan out well in Denver. He's worked in New England for a long time calling plays. Uh, this is his chance. Um, but the thing is, um, the Raiders have, like Noah said, the Raiders have had a ton of of problems. Uh, Nate Hobbs, Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs, uh, Crosby Waller in the past is also mentioned. Um, the thing with McDaniels is culture change. The main uh, the main subject in Las Vegas is going to be culture change considering what those guys have been through, especially this past year. Um, yeah. But I'll, it'll be interesting to see where McDaniels goes from here. I think he could, you know, help uh, like you said, he could call plays, but I don't know. I'm this. I feel like this one's like high risk, high reward. Like this could go either really good or mm-hmm. really bad. I want to do one. Talk about one more guy, and I want to make this quick because I want to keep moving. But uh, Dable and Brian, uh, Brian, sorry, Brian Dable, Dean. We're gonna need to get your take on this. 
Dable to the to the Giants, I think it's a fantastic hire. But yeah, Dean, break it down for us. I, I love the hire. Now I'm 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 a bit upset. I'm a bit torn that he left Buffalo, but we knew it was going to come eventually. I mean, last year, considering that he didn't go to the Chargers or Jaguars, he went this year to a better situation in the New York Giants. Uh, he goes with Jim Shane. That's debatable. Yeah, be- better really? than the Chargers. Better, I mean, so, no, better than the Jags. Better than true. the Jags. Interesting the situation. Very, very interesting. Calm, calm I'm, down. I'm, calm I'm down. interested in seeing how it goes. All of you, calm down, please. It's only 8 o'clock. <laughs> uh, sorry, whatever. 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. It's actually yeah, 9 o'clock, yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. I think a young talent with like Daniel Jones could work perfectly with Brian Dable. Brian Dable has developed young talent. I may have complained a lot about his cl- uh, play calling, but the guy – He's mainly for developing talent, and this will be his offense that he runs in the Meadowlands. This will be um, – he's got a good staff, too, coming with him. Patrick Kafka from the Chiefs going to – or the Tim Kafka. No, uh, Mike Kafka is going to be the, the, the offensive coordinator. My apologies. Thank you. Mike Kafka is going to be the offensive coordinator. Um, I believe they are trying to get Martin uh, – Wink Martindale because Patrick Gam- uh, Patrick Graham's going to the Raiders. And you said, didn't you say they they hired away the quarterbacks coach or no no Assistant Buffalo quarterbacks? Ken Dorsey got promoted. Buffalo got prom- promoted their quarterbacks coach. Yeah, right. my bad. Um, but I think this will be. A, I think this is a good hire for the Giants. I think Brian Dable's going to bring in this new mind he had from Buffalo. You know, he, him and McDermott led a culture change that whole staff did, and showed it. Uh, so did Brandon Bean. I think Jim Shane and Brian Dable are going to try and do their own version of a culture change Definitely. in Med- the Meadowlands. Yeah, the, the real problem here is is the optics of this, I think, from the Flores standpoint, if we want yes, to get to that. Yes, and we'll get into that in a uh, second. Because I think we can all agree Flores is going to – I mean, uh, Dable, I should say, is going to be a fantastic head coach. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, I love the hire. Brian Dable, I think he's done a phenomenal job. He, he developed Josh Allen beautifully. Uh, the only thing I don't like about this whole thing, really, it, well, the biggest question mark for him is whether he's going to stick with Daniel Jones or not. I think the Giants need to stop kidding themselves. This guy is not a franchise quarterback. He hasn't shown he has any ability to be a franchise quarterback. He's shown in, glimpses. In three years, he's led the league in turnovers over the over his entire three-year span, and he hasn't even played in a well, full season once. And so that's a very, very questionable. And the injury and, concerns from yeah. the neck problem are yeah. going to be legit and the biggest, going into this and, and the biggest thing, whenever the Giants have had like a, a game, especially like a, a game, especially like a, a game, a second season where they actually had like a decent shot to win, he never won a big game when it mattered. And he's never played in a game that actually yeah. truly matters in three years. I mean, he is in a lot of ways the, the Walmart version of, of Josh Allen. You know he's 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 the same type of quarterback and just worse at everything. Maybe a little By bit a faster. Shot. Maybe a little bit faster. But outside of that, not better than Josh Allen at anything. And so that's why I think it could be interesting to have Dable. But Noah, you introduced it. Let's talk quickly about Brian Flores because Flores getting fired was the biggest surprise of the offseason. I think Stunner. we can say that with certainty. And right? him not Stunner. getting hired to this point has been a big surprise. And we'll get to that. Best coach out. He was the best he, coach out there. He's the best coach out there. I can understand Dable getting hired before him, but I cannot understand and maybe McDaniels. Maybe McDaniels if, if a team really liked him. But the other guys have not had coaching experience. They did not experience two consecutive winning seasons that missed out on the playoffs by you know, the littlest, the smallest margins twice in a row. So what gives? And then we, we, we kind of got this, the answer we were looking for. Flores dropped a lawsuit uh, on the NFL, specifically at the, the Giants, Broncos, and Dolphins, alleging racial, racial discrimination. 
which I have I have not read the entire document. It's fifty eight pages, but from everything I've seen, I mean his evidence is pretty strong. Yeah, I, I think so too. I I yeah. think the the text messages from Belichick are definitely that's incriminating. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty and, important. But to me, the most important thing it really is just to look around the league. We have one African American head coach, and it's a Hall of Famer, Mike Tomlin. So yeah. I think he's in class all by himself. But there were four elite candidates yeah, Todd in, in and this hiring cycle that are African American, and none of them have jobs. Todd Bowles yeah. and Byron Leftwich. And Eric all, all, all you heard about the entire yeah. year is these guys are going to get hired to be head coaches. It seems like they haven't even had interviews. Yeah, at least Todd Bowles. was the only one who I think came close yeah. with the Jags, and he didn't get the job. So now we have Biennemi getting, I think he's getting interviewed the, by New Orleans. Biennemi and Flores are both apparently very well liked by the Saints, but so are several other white head coaches. Right. And if the Saints do anything except for hire one of the either either Bienemy or Flores, it's gonna it, it's gonna look bad on them. And I think the tanking stuff too. Yes. Yeah. If, if the if that is true, and if Hugh Jackson and Ross offered and, money and Jimmy Haslam offered NFL, money, well, every guy yeah. they should be owner should be forced to sell. If that's the case, I yeah. think I bet, I'm and I, I don't want it to happen, but I could see it happening if it comes out to be true. The NFL will go to a lottery system. Which for the draft, which honestly I'm not in favor of. I'm not either. But over 16 not. games, I don't like that. So, but that could be the case. And the biggest example, I mean, it's hard to say that was true with Flores because Flores actually did a good job. But obviously, the thing, the one that's definitely eye popping is Hugh Jackson because if he was being paid to lose, he did a phenomenal job over two yeah. years, over two years. His first two years, they're one and thirty-one. And I don't remember where I heard it from, but I think it was on Undisputed where I heard it. They said that originally the owners gave him a four-year. I think it was four years to to stink and build up build up their team, and that's when he was truly going to be tested. So I well, think yeah, that's why he. I, I, I think they only fired him because they were so I think, outraged by the fans. I think what I think what this lawsuit is explaining is that is, is kind of exposing. Sorry, is that teams are going to hire a black head coach because it looks really good from a publicity standpoint. And they're going to give that coach the worst possible situation. And we've seen it time and time again. Um, we saw it with Hugh Jackson. We saw it with uh, Steve Wilkes on the Cardinals. We saw it with Brian Flores. He was put in one of the worst situations. And he did so much with he, it. He, he did and Flores didn't do what I think ownership expected him to do yeah, and he... lose and be bad. But the other guys didn't really ever show any promise because their team sucked. And so then they were the scapegoat to fire when they wanted to bring in the guy they really and, wanted. And Aiden, the one guy we didn't even – I don't think you mentioned is David Culley just from this past yeah, offseason David in Houston. Culley. I mean I, I actually understand the reason of his firing. I, I get it from a football perspective. But, but overall, he did a good job. in terms of being fair, he was totally unfair. I, I yeah, think he, he deserved a good. second season. And I overall, mean, he did a good job. I didn't yeah, think that team was going to win four games. The, the problem, Yeah, same. I mean the, what he did with Davis Mills yeah. and that Texas team was great. But the thing is though for Culley, it, I mean – I could be wrong here. I, it just felt like when he, the once he took that Houston job, his days were numbered. And I'm not saying because he's good or bad. It just yes. felt like the consider, considering the situation he was put in, yes. it just felt like his days were numbered. He was very—I think whoever was hired that offseason by the Texans was going to be a one-year rental. Yep. It was going to be, we have you for one year. Get us through this this disgusting offseason. Let's find our real coach. And then we'll find our real coach next year. And I think it just happened to be Dave Culley. 
I don't think that that is explicit racial discrimination, but the fact remains that he coached phenomenally given the situation and deserved a second season. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But yeah, another, I understand it from a football perspective. Another guy that I just kind of thought of that could be true, I'll make this point quickly, but uh, is a guy that kind of was fired for no reason a couple of years ago, and that's Jim Caldwell. When he, when, he Cold, was, when he was on the Lions. Yeah. He was a great coach for the Lions. They made the playoffs, I think, three times. They were always a playoff-hungry team. And they fired him for no reason after, I think, it was a 10-6 and six season, and they lost in the wild card. But they were building something nice there still. And Stafford liked him. Yeah. And they just threw him away. And they, they said, just, we're not standing for 9-7. and seven. But, like, why would you fire a solid head coach yeah. that's been to a Super Bowl and that's earned the respect of a Hall of Fame quarterback like Peyton Manning? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did a lot. He did a lot with less on that Detroit Lions team. He took a, a mediocre Detroit Lions team to the playoffs. And I'm not saying yeah. that the Lions are were the worst team in the world at that time. It was just that considering what Caldwell had, had he did a lot with what he had. It, yeah. But it just it's. But the ratio is insane. There was a report I think from Albert Breer saying that he projects that there's going to be no African American head coaches in 2022, which it, would be insane. it could be true. Well, I think it's, it's Flores getting this Texans job, which. I, I can't imagine they're going to hire him after this whole lawsuit. Yeah. I just I can't yeah. see it happening. And then if Leftwich or maybe Vietnamese gets the Saints job or something, but if we do have multiple black Amer- uh, African American coaches, it's going to be maybe two or three guys at the yeah. most. Yeah. It's probably just going to be Tomlin if things go the way. Yeah. I right now, I'm going to say it's just going to be Tomlin. I, yeah, I agree. I, and this is something we can talk about for the entire segment. Um, we are we we do want to move on, but this is a conversation that has to be had. This is a conversation that is going on in the NFL right now. So pay attention to it. Follow it on Twitter. Keep an eye on what's going on with this situation, and we will hopefully have an update next week when we come back. Uh, But for now, we're going to move on to some basketball. Uh, I believe Dean – well, Dean, the the Clippers and Blazers, Dean, you should take this this trade away, and then we'll get into some other other trade deadline talk. First of all, I just want to say I I didn't even hear when the Clippers traded until Noah and Jack basically called – um, this was, so this is what the full trade deal uh, details. The Clippers received Norman Powell and Robert Covington. They trade away Bledsoe, thank God, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second round pick in 2025. Um, I would like to call police and report a highway robbery in Portland <laughs> because, um, Jerry West and the Clippers staff d- did it again. I mean, I, first of all, this team is stacked and they have, I mean, this is, but looking at this trade makes me feel like God. Imagine we had Kawhi and Paul George right now. This team would be one of the deepest teams, or yeah. the deepest team in the NBA. Um, Norm Powell's been 19 points per game um, on 40 percent shooting, I believe, in Portland. Robert Covington brings size. He's a great defender, great rebounder. He's a solid two-way player. I mean, two very good two-way players, uh, two solid wing players. I mean. I'm really excited, man. I'm really happy the Clippers pull this off. I don't think they're done yet making moves. Uh, point, the point guard position will be something to look at, especially point guard depth because Reggie Jackson's the only one there. Um, I'm, I really love this trade for the Clippers. And they got Powell locked up for the next four years. Covington's going to be a uh, free agent this offseason. But, uh, I mean, great trade for the Clippers. Amazing trade. I'm really happy about this. And I think Powell could be a legit is going to be a legit third option for Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you, Dean. And you mentioned that it would be awesome to have Kawhi and Paul George. Well you might not have them in the rest of this season. That obviously depends on how the medical stuff all goes. But this is a trade that I think was almost like a little reward from Steve Ballmer down to their excellent head coach Ty Lu to say, Hey, we're gonna give you a little bit of a boost to get in the playing tournament. 
and maybe even if we don't have our stars, we'll at least have some guys who can get us into the playoffs, maybe win a couple games in the playing tournament and get into the first round. But this is really about next season. This is really about if we can re-sign Robert Covington. And even if you can't, they have your bird rights. They can re-sign it to the most money. They're going to have a Norman, a player, Norman Powell, who is a terrific third option on offense. I mean, we just saw it in Portland. Average 19 a game, as you said, Dean, and was able to play off Damon CJ about as well as you possibly can. Uh, so this is, this is something for next year. This is where they're going to have a team next year with a bunch of other depth in terms of their role players and Batum and Morris potentially and maybe Zubats and guys like that. But I think Powell will be their third or fourth best player, probably a starter for them, and somebody who is a core piece going forward for the next maybe half a decade, considering they have him under contract. So I really love this trade in terms of what the Clippers did. And for the Blazers, it's just a shame that in 12 months' time, they traded away Gary Trent, they got Norman Powell, and then after a year of Norman Powell playing really well for them, they dealt him for basically a second-round pick, Keon Johnson, and whatever they're going to get from Eric Bledsoe. It's just a disgrace. And if I'm C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard today, I am not feeling really good about my future in Portland. I mean, I, I can't imagine that any of you guys would disagree on that. No, not at yeah. all. And when we continue to talk about this, I agree with you guys. This is an absolute beautiful move for the, the Clippers. They get that guy, that third scorer that could possibly replace Lou Will. Ty, um, Ty Lou, what am I saying? Norman Powell, who's having one of his absolute best seasons of his career this year, averaging 19 points a game, three rebounds, shooting 46% from the field and 41% from three. Uh, which is also, I believe, a career high. Yep, it is. So he's having an absolute phenomenal season this year. He's going to be that third legit scorer. He's a very solid defender. He has championship experience. He brings that. He brings that. He won a title. Won a title in Toronto. And yeah. and I mean, like like you said on Twitter, Noah, uh, getting rid of two tired vets. Yeah, get- they're good, but they're not. They're not going to carry your team into the future. Definitely, Bledsoe is just a holdover. Uh, this team is going to be primed and ready for next year, and they have a decent shot now to really win it, win a game in the yeah. play-in and get into the playoffs, I think, with this team. They have a legit first option now in Powell. I agree with you. I think this team definitely needs to add a point guard this offseason, another point guard, mainly a playmaker. I love Reggie Jackson. You know how I feel about my boy Reggie Jackson. He did great the other yeah, night. When, when, yeah. I, when the Clippers got him, I told you he does big things, but they need a guy who is a little bit more of a playmaker and can spread the ball around. Well, they need, the thing is they need depth, whether it's someone that's better than Reggie Jackson or someone that, even not as good, but that's still compatible. I can't believe I'm using that word. Um, they just need depth at the point guard position because Reggie Jackson's the only one that's there right now. They have their wing players. They have their shooting guard. They have their big men. Zubats has been having a better year this year. Hardenstein's been good. Ibaka had a good night the other night. The, the main thing for the Clippers now is point guard depth. And, yeah. Uh, they're not, and I think Woj hinted at another move on Twitter that the Clippers may not be done yet. So this could th- another move could be coming for LA. Yeah, and you know, speaking of trades, no, do you want to take trade deadline or do you want to talk Simmons first? Yeah, I think we should talk about the Harden okay. Simmons thing. Yeah. Okay. So news broke yesterday from Sean Strani of the Athletic that a Harden for Simmons trade between the Nets and Sixers will be discussed before Thursday's trade deadline. And that was something that I don't think anybody expected. I think everyone thought that would maybe wait till the summer when Daryl Morey would make his move at Harden, who's going to be a free agent. Uh, but instead, it looks like that may happen before next week. The Nets lost their seventh straight game last night in a blowout against Utah. And things are just going really south uh, for Brooklyn right now. This is the worst stretch they've had in, in multiple seasons now. It looks like Tyrese Maxey will not be a part of any potential trade before Thursday. Maybe guys like Matisse Thibel or Seth Curry will go from Philly to Brooklyn. But we'll see. There's a lot of details that need to be ironed out here, and we'll see if a trade even happens at all. But I just want to know from, from your guys' perspectives. I think this is great for Philly to do this now instead of waiting for the offseason. But I want to know what you guys think about 
pulling off a trade midseason that is potentially could shake yeah. up the entire league with pairing up Joel Embiid and, and James Harden if it happens. I mean, it's not as if it's not as if the Nets are in a. Uh, it's not as if they have a lack of shooting right now. So I don't think this hurts the Nets. This actually very much helps the Nets. It gets a guy that is able to spread the ball on offense a little more, a guy who can really show up in the paint and can do some damage down there. Because then you can't just ignore the paint. You can't just protect the perimeter. And in terms of the Sixers, this prob- this puts them into first. This would put them into, like, not just first place. This puts them into, like, far first place in the East for me. Like, miles above the rest, in my opinion. Just because of how scary it would be to pair one of the best shooters with one of the best centers in the league today. That's a terrifying thought. I don't want to see it happen as a fan of a team in the East, but I think it would make a lot of sense for both sides. Yeah, this would be a great move for not just the Sixers, but the entire for the whole league. It would be great. It adds a lot of more mystery, especially into the Eastern Conference. It gives them a lot more parity. We were talking with Noah about this yesterday. If that trade happens, I believe there's like seven or eight legit teams that actually have a chance to win the title this year because it makes the East a lot more balanced. But I agree. Philly needs to go in and do this. Harden's having a bit of a down season, but still an all-star caliber player. And he's a, he, averaging 23 points a game this year. Little, his efficiency is a little bit down, but a lot of players are. So I'm not going to hold that against him. They need to make this move now. He's already 32. He's Does he turn 33 during the season? I don't even remember. But either way, he doesn't have a lot of MVP-level years left in him. If you're the Sixers, you got to strike now and stop wasting any stop wasting Embiid's prime. That's the biggest thing from this trade, and possibly. Another thing is also, like, Embiid this season hasn't had much support, especially with Simmons out. But Embiid, luckily for the Sixers, Embiid's been having a MVP caliber year. Um, I, I mean, I think if this ha- this trade happens, it would definitely be very good for the 76ers. I mean, like you said, Aiden, pairing Harden with Embiid. I always thought Harden and Harden and Embiid's uh, pairing would be very scary. Then you got guys like Tyrese Maxey that can play really well. He's been having a great yeah. year. Uh, Tobias Harris. I mean, there's. I mean. If Harden is traded, would you say that they're, that Tobias Harris is involved in the package? Or I, I'm not sure. I, I've heard that that may be a name. I, I don't think so as of right now, but things could always change. And maybe Harris goes moved to a third team. This could get very complicated. We'll see. Um, if you want to keep going, Dean. But I was just going to say – go ahead. Go ahead. Keep oh, going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, so there's that. And, I, I mean, listen, for the Nets, it would be a, a decent move. I mean, you get Harden out of there. I mean, look – I mean, in the other day, Harden said he wasn't happy living in Brooklyn. It just seems like Harden – you know, when you have a good player in your team, and I've said this too in the NFL, I've told Jack this with quarterbacks, this goes for players in any sport. If a player you have, even if he's star caliber, doesn't blend well with your city or doesn't, uh, you know, just sit well with your city, then usually that bond doesn't end well and the player's not happy there and they eventually ask out. It just felt like it was it, the it factor. Everything was never there for Harden in Brooklyn. And I think a move out to Philly would be the best for him. He wanted to be there, and now the question is going to be, does he want to be in Philly? Because that's... You know, we saw him in Houston when he didn't want to be there. So, I actually think that you guys are missing the whole point on this. And and that is the fact that if they trade Harden before the end of the season and Harden doesn't resign completely, like if he just leaves at any point, whether it's now or in the summer, this is going down as a monumental failure if yeah. you're the Brooklyn Nets. And I don't, nobody's really said that, so I'm, I'm going to. It is a monumental failure totally. because they brought James Harden in here thinking that they had the most unstoppable big three since the Steph, Clay, Durant Warriors. And it has just not worked out that way. I mean, how many games have the three of them played together? Like, like 15. 15, not even, and a couple of them were playoff yeah. games, and most of them have really not been very meaningful at all. So 
if if Harden comes here and then leaves a year later and they traded all these first round picks and all these pick swaps and they did all they could to move and eliminate all their depth to get him here and it doesn't work out in a championship, there's just no other way to put this but a failure. And it's really funny too. I I read this on Twitter last night from somebody and I think this is going to be the narrative that pops up if he leaves. And this this is ridiculous to me. It was like, oh, if Harden is out, then it's just another group of stars that he didn't work with. After Dwight Howard, that didn't work, and Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and Houston, that didn't work. And to me, that's the most ridiculous thing ever because I think, honestly, Harden has done everything they've asked him to do in Brooklyn since he's been there. He played point guard when he was probably supposed to play shooting guard. He's played the number one spot when he was really supposed to be the number two. He was the number three guy at times when he was taking the least amount of shots. I feel like everybody else around him has been constant, constantly in and out of the lineup, and he's been, to me, the most consistent uh, in terms of just being around and being there for the Nets. I mean, Durant's been in and out a ton. We know the situation with Irving. Joe Harris has been injured a bunch. So I think Harden has done pretty much everything that they've asked him to do, and his role has changed a lot, and yet yeah. he's been able to persevere through that. And to me, the Nets have just collapsed around him mostly. Absolutely yeah. one of the biggest failures, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we could all agree, though, like at least the, what it seemed like last year, if they actually were able to put it together, the Nets were probably going to win the title. They At points last year, they just looked unstoppable. I mean, they were, they were, you know— Durant's big toe away from making it. Yeah, seriously. So. But, but yeah, this would be an absolute failure, and this could really hurt them in the future. And who knows? With after, after this season, I mean, I think he has a player option. I'm not 100%. Right? Kyrie Irving has a player option. Kyrie can be an unrestricted free agent. He yes. could leave this summer if the vaccine mandate yeah. stays in place and he wanted to go. Yeah, like he may opt in, but it's not out of the question that even if he opts in, the Nets are going to try and trade him. for After everything this guy has put them through with all the controversy around the vaccine and only playing in road games— it's just I could totally see them getting rid of him, and then for that, it's only yeah. KD and Simmons. Kevin Durant's great, but I don't know if that's enough to win, and they have no draft picks going forward, so there's no way out really. It just feels like a situation where the Nets are tied behind. Uh, the Nets are tied behind. They have their hands tied behind their backs. I mean, what can, what good will this do for the Brooklyn Nets, especially down the line with you know Kyrie's vaccine um, situation, Harden being unhappy in Brooklyn. I mean, you got to think long term at this point. You said it. You know, you know, colossal disappointment. I mean, especially long term, this may be a Nets team that most certainly fails to win. And title windows don't last long. You know, opportunities don't last long. And right now, the Brooklyn Nets are basically wasting every opportunity they have. I mean, last year was their best chance. And granted, Harden played on one leg, and uh, I think it was Kyrie that was out. Um, so I, I will give the Nets a little bit slack for the injuries they had last postseason. But then, even then, you know, when you have a title window that's going to be short, you have to try and take advantage of every opportunity you get. And the Brooklyn Nets have failed at that. Yeah, there's no doubt. And it should be very uh, interesting to see how that trade, if it happens, plays out over the next few days before Thursday's deadline. Speaking of the trade deadline, I have a bunch of teams that I have come up with where I want to know from each of you guys in just a couple, maybe 30 seconds each, what you guys think is going to happen with those particular teams at the deadline. Is there a particular need that they should go after? Is there a player that you think they should go after? Should they sell? Should they buy? Just your opinion quickly in maybe a minute or so, maybe a little bit less about each of these teams. So I'm going to start, and I'm just going to run through a bunch of them here. So let's start with the Knicks. I know Jack wanted to talk about the Knicks. Julius Randle, his name has been in trade rumors. Uh, His whole deal with the media has not gone very well the last month or so, and he has his play has just significantly declined as well. So, Jack, what do the Knicks need to do if there's one trade or maybe one move that works that you think for them? I think the Knicks definitely need to sell. As much as it breaks my heart, they're a team that at this point can still get in the play-in, but I don't really see that being realistic. And Julius Randle, 
has been really bad this year, not just his production on the court, but the way he's acted, whether it's not go, not joining the team in a huddle on a timeout. He, when Evan Fournier is trying to pump him up, he slaps his arm away. When Obi Toppin's on the ground, he doesn't run over to help him up. He's just a bad teammate right now. He's supposed to be the leader of this team, and he's done the absolute opposite. And like, why would you want to follow this guy in battle? So it doesn't surprise me that... The Knicks are struggling because of that. I think it's time. This guy's got to get out. The Knicks got to find a way to get rid of him. The only guy I consider keeping is Fournier. He's done a great job. Knicks fans are disappointed in him. I don't understand. What were you expecting? The guy's a great three-point shooter. That's what he does. I didn't expect much else. I think they need to move off of Walker and Burks, get some young talent in here, and try and gain assets to try and find some superstars next year. Rumors have swirled around Donovan Mitchell. Two thumbs down. Um I'd have to agree. I mean, I would say the Knicks also have to sell. I mean, and for a year, considering how good they were last year, it's felt like, you know, heading into this year that there may be some promise, and it just doesn't feel like everything's gone right for the New York Knicks. Um, if they want to sell, the time is definitely now. So I would say sell for the Knicks and definitely look to shop uh, potentially all your guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, and you got something? Or we no, on? I mean, I think you guys hit it, and you guys know I don't know basketball too well, so. Let's move on to the Indiana Pacers, a team that has had a lot of their guys come up in trade rumors. Sabonis, Miles Turner, uh, a couple others as well, including Karis LeVert. So what do the Pacers need to do? Do they need to sell off everybody? Should they wait? Should they maybe deal with some of these guys in the summer? What's what's the move for the Indiana Pacers coming into the deadline? Uh, I would have to say for this team, I think they need to sell again. Uh, it's kind of weird because the Pacers are a team that has a lot of talent, but it doesn't really fit well. and. It's kind of just boring. I know we always say that. The Pacers are kind of a boring team. I would keep a guy. I would try and keep Sabonis if you can. I think he's the guy you want to build around. I think he's an absolute phenomenal player. Down low, I would try and get rid of Miles Turner, but I don't think they're going to do that at this point because he's injured, so they're going to get less value for him. Uh, so, And I think they'll definitely move off Karis LeVert. He's the one guy I definitely think will be traded. He's a very interesting player where he'll go. A lot of teams could use him. But I think to, the right thing is to build around Sabonis and Dorte. They'll trade Turner in the offseason. I can still see Turner being traded now. I think, honestly, like you know he'll recover. But I feel like they don't want to do it for value. But I think a lot of teams will make calls about Miles Turner. I agree with Jack. I'm also going to have to say sell for the Pacers. I think Turner's definitely on his way out, whether it's sooner or later. Uh, depends if they trade him now. I mean, may not get a lot of value back. Um I think for the Pacers, you know, this is you're going to have to build around Duarte for the future and maybe even Sabonis too. I mean, Sabonis is also a potential uh, trade candidate, but there's a good chance he stays. Turner's out. Lavert, I think it's time to definitely shop Lavert. Um, and he's not getting any. I'm not saying he's old, but he's definitely not getting any younger by any means. So if you, so I think if I'm Lavert at this point, my career, I would rather want to play on a team where you know you're contending, where you could be a legit third or fourth option. Um, the Pacers are going to have to sell. I think if the Pacers don't sell, a lot of their players are going to want to leave. They're going to request to be sold Definitely. in the offseason, or they're just going to leave. Turner already did that. So, he basically, yeah, I'm he out wants to yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so if if they choose not to, they're really just screwing themselves. Right now, they can get they can get good return for what they got. So, Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. Let's move on to another team in the East. Uh, Aiden, I know you like this team quite a bit. The Chicago Bulls. <laughs> A team that has been at the top of the standings Lonzo, for most of the Lonzo. season. I know you love Lonzo. A team that's been at the top of the standings but has had a multitude of injuries, including to Lonzo, Alex Caruso, Pat Williams. Uh, Pat Williams, Zach Levine was out for a short time. So they have been through the ringer this year, but they've managed to persevere through it. Guys like Io DeSumo, the rookie, has been sensational. Had a huge dunk last night at the end of the game. Uh, what should the Bulls do? Should they stand pat? Should they be buyers? Do you think they have real shot at winning the championship and go all in this year? 
I mean, if their roster is fully healthy, yeah, they definitely have a chance at winning the championship. And that's the question. Can their roster stay healthy for the rest of the season, through the playoffs, and through a possibly seven-game championship? I don't know if it can. Ideal world, they stand pat, they do nothing. In the world that we live in, where we know people are going to get hurt, depth couldn't hurt. And it's not as if they don't have pieces to trade. They have a strong starting five. They can trade. They can manage with trading a little bit of their depth. They can manage with trading some draft picks because they have a future set up. So I would say they're buyers, but they have to be cautious. They can't, they can't mortgage their future entirely the way that the Nets did just to get another big superstar. All they need is depth. All they need is some guys to come in and fill in for injury, injured players. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say stand pat. I, I, the Bulls, I feel like the Bulls are bu- definitely buyers, but I feel like they're gonna be one of those teams that are buyers that stands pat. Um, for the Bulls, I mean, besides getting healthy, like you said, Aiden, you know, what can you trade potentially at this point? What can you trade for? Um, you know, they could get some wing players, but you know, yesterday two of them went to L.A. and. I don't know. I just feel like if you're the Bulls, I think you stand pat and maybe wait for the offseason or wait for next year to get more pieces. Uh, I'm going to kind of disagree with that. I think if the Bulls, I think they should buy a piece right now. I think a guy that would be really good for them would be Jeremy Grant. I think he'd be perfect for them. Fill in for Pat Williams. He's a guy that could play defense well. He could shoot three, and he's not going to force too many shots. He'll fit right into that system. I think that's the move they should make. But, And I'm going to say this. Uh, Chicago, they... They they do have things they can move, but they should be careful. Their future looks bright, but you never know. Anything could always happen. Zach Levine is not yet under contract. He's very likely to stay, but you never know if he gets into a disagreement with the head coach or it's, he doesn't like a teammate as, the, as time goes on through the playoffs. We've seen it happen. It could happen at any moment. So I'm going to say buy Jeremy Grant, but be careful of what you give away. I think you should go all in this year, and I love the Jeremy Grant idea. They need one more big wing, yeah, a guy who could play the three, maybe the four, even some some five and some small groups. Jeremy Grant makes a ton of sense. Totally, there are other players who I think are fit a similar mold. I think Harrison Barnes would be excellent yeah, for them. That's another one. Uh, but I would go all in this year. I think you have a chance to win a title before Levine hits for agency, before DeRozan continues to age. This is your year. You've been it's been a magical story for them since day one. The East is open. I think this is the year that they really have to go for you it. You think their biggest trade chip is Kobe White? You think probably, yeah. Him? And I like him a lot. Yeah, and maybe I'm Derek big, Jones just to make I'm the a big fan of work. Kobe White. Any other any other teams you want to go, or should we go to the All Star snubs? Yeah, let's do one more. Okay, uh, go this, for it. this yeah. is an interesting one. How about Dallas? We saw them beat Philly last night, but they've got two guys who are hitting for agency in the summer: and Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm not sure if they're good enough to win the title right now with the team they have, but they're a team that could potentially look for stars later. Uh, considering they have Luka and Porzingis. So what do you guys think the Mavericks should do? For the past, like, four seasons, ever since they traded for Porzingis, it's been the Mavs should the Mavs should add another person. It's It's been, like, this. they have two of the best young stars in the game. Why aren't they better? Why aren't they better? And year in, year out, they just cannot improve no matter what they do. I don't think it's time to blow it up. Definitely not midseason, but what gives? So that's just that's all I'll say on it. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, the Mavericks, it's kind of tough. Uh, they're definitely not good enough to win right now. I still don't have them getting out of the first round this year until they get that other player. Um, I don't really care what anyone tells me. I think Porzingis has been a disappointment in Dallas. They expected him to be another like an all-star caliber player every year, around like 25 points a game. He has not been that. 
So I think it's disappointing. This team needs another star to pair with Luka, and until they do that, they're not going to win. They have tons of good players like Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson. I think they should stay pat, re-sign those guys, and try and use them as assets, which Noah and I talked about last night, use them as assets to try and trade for a big star like a Bradley Beal. So that's what I think they should do. I think they're going to stand pat again, and they're just continuing as of this point. Who knows what they'll do. If they re-sign them, they probably won't trade them because that's what they've been doing. But I think they're going to stand pat, and they're probably just going to re-sign Brunson and Faye Smith and keep the same team as they've done the last three years. I agree. I'm also going to say stand pat. I think Dallas, I wouldn't say sell or rebuild. I'd say Dallas needs more of a retool. Um, it just feels like this team that they've put together that they've had has failed time and time. Um, I mean, Rick time and time. Um, I mean, Rick time and time. Um, I mean, Lyle left to last year. I think, I'll say this, I think Jason Kidd has done a solid job. Better with than Porzing- expected. Done better than expected and done a solid job with Porzingis. But it just feels like that team. this team is missing the it in the team. You know, they have Luka, they have a great young star in Luka Doncic, but they need someone that's going to be hit with him day in, day out. That's it. That's going to pretty much gel well with him. And it just feels like the poor Zingas Doncic pairing hat isn't meant to be. So I would say they're going to stand pat, but definitely a retool will come in the offseason. I think you continue to be aggressive. I think that there are guys on that roster in the back end that you could trade. Guys like Dwight Powell makes about ten million. He makes money money working a lot of trades and same with guys like Maxi Kleba. I would potentially look for trades with guys like that, just on the on the in terms of depth, adding some extra pieces off your bench, uh, because they could use some extra some juice offensively. Their defense this year has been terrific, but offensively they haven't really been. And Luca has been so good now for a month that I don't think you want to waste another season of his amazing prime. So I, tol- I totally agree. I, I would continue to be aggressive, but I think they will. That's the you only might be difference. right. We'll see. Uh, Aiden, want to talk some All-Stars? Let's talk some All-Stars. All right. So the NBA All-Star reserves came out a couple nights ago, and the starters came out the week before that. We have our East and West teams. The draft will take place, I believe, next week between Team LeBron and Team Durant. Uh, We have some all-star subs coming in for some injured players, including Durant and Draymond Green. But the teams have come out. There's been some controversial selections. Guys like Fred Van Vliet, guys like Darius Garland weren't guaranteed to make it. Chris Middleton as well. Were there anybody that you thought got snubbed that should have made the all-star team that you're hoping is eventually added or somebody who maybe isn't going to be added but you just thought should have been there? Uh, Yeah, uh, I have a... My biggest snub is, well, it could be either one of them. I think they definitely deserved an all-star. It was the Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo Ball, or Miles Bridges. One of them definitely should have been an all-star. Those two have absolutely revitalized the franchise that many people consider the laughing stock of the NBA for so many years. They've done an absolutely phenomenal job. LaMelo, mainly LaMelo Ball, he's been the leader of that team. Uh, they've they're a very young, talented team. They're sort of the Grizzlies of the the East, and he's he's kind of the jaw in that same regard. So I'm I was very disappointed that Lamella didn't get in. I thought he deserved it. And Fred Van Fleet's been great. They're they're both solid, but I think Lamella's had more hype around him, so it kind of did surprise me. Um, I I agree with you. I also thought that Lamella should have gotten in the All Star game. I mean. I, I, I'm not going to take anything away from Van Vliet because I, I— No, he's I, absolutely deserving. I, I love him, and he deserves it. But I thought Lamelo thought, was over. I thought Lamelo should have gone into the All-Star game. And yeah, besides perform- I think yeah. The thing is for me also, like, for an All-Star, um, besides performance, it's also, you know, team performance. Lamelo's been a big part of this Charlotte Hornets rise. But obviously there you have players like Miles Bridges. Uh, P.J. Washington's also a solid young player. Kelly Oubre. They have— Kelly Oubre, they also have a couple pieces that are decent, uh, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. Um, but it, it just feels like the Hornets shouldn't have gotten an all-star this year, and I think LaMelo Ball is the biggest snub out of all of them. 
Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit different from you two. I'm going to say Jared Allen of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not only is it in, the game going to be in Cleveland, so he would have been playing in front of his home fans, but that that dude has just been a sensational young center on the NBA's biggest surprise team, a team that's like 10 games over 500 and has just been so consistent this year. He has been maybe their best player. I think maybe their most consistent player. I think Garland's rise has been something that nobody expected to be to be this good. But Allen was somebody who was just expected to be a complimentary piece and has turned into a star-level guy for them. I love Jared Allen. And unfortunately, Chris Middleton was somebody I wouldn't have had on there. I would have put Jared Allen, uh, the young Cavs center, over him. Even though Middleton did make the All-Star team and has been deserving for the last few years and did win the title last year. He deserves some, some sympathy votes, but I would have given it to Jared Allen. You still love that Wigan yeah. starting, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's a whole other thing what to break down, but we don't have time for that. We're going we're gonna to move into the end. We got the Olympics coming up soon. I think oh, the, was the opening ceremonies it started t- today no, no, they were, or were they, they were yesterday? Friday morning. Yeah, yeah Friday morning. Okay, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. It's hard to keep track of everything when it's, when it's a 12-hour time difference from us because we're watching everything on a delay anyways. Yeah. But Olympics have started. It's going to be a good one. I'm a huge fan of the Winter Olympics. I don't know if you guys are as big of a fan as me. Love them. Uh, but quickly, is there, a, is there an event you guys are looking for? For me, it's definitely the half pipe. This will be Sean White's last ride. Really hoping he can bring out a gold medal to end his Olympic Games career. Uh, oh, man. It's tough. <laughs> I, I would say hockey, but, um, well. You got you know, no NHL players. I mean, they, they got no NHL players going there. You, you think the Americans have a shot team to, to win the hockey? Because I, I don't think they do without the NHL guys. No, no, no. Without I NHL, no. I can't see it. Miracle on Ice Part 2. That's no, true. I mean, I mean women's, women's hockey could be a thing to watch this I've year. They, watching, won, they, won, they won yesterday. I watched Canada and Finland smack. US, U.S. won it last in, uh, in Pyeongchang, right? Yeah. I believe so. So... They could put up a title defense. We'll see. But. I mean, I'm I'm still excited for yeah. hockey though because I love hockey. It just feels weird this year for the Olympics. It just feels like the hype. Maybe it's just me. I feel like the hype behind the Olympics this year has like died down a little bit, at least compared yeah. to the summer, especially because we just had a summer one six months ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to a couple of the different events. I like the snowboarding. Chloe Kim is awesome. I think she's going to be really fun. Yeah, she's great. Definitely the hockey. I mean, curling is always something that's fun to watch for a little bit during during the Olympics. I mean, but I've been I, curling. It's so much fun. Yeah, have you? I didn't it's know the that. ultimate athletic experience. How was it? What, what did you have to do? It's actually it's actually really hard. Like sweeping, it's not easy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the thing I think I'm going to be most looking out for is just to see how this COVID thing happens. It could be interesting. It could yeah. be really interesting to see. I mean, even one of I forget her name, but one of the U.S. flag bearers couldn't end up participating in the opening ceremonies because she got COVID and so somebody had to replace her. I just want to see how that all plays out because we've seen the last couple months in the American sports, like the NFL, like the NBA, how it's been with guys in and out of the protocols. Well, all of a sudden, if you have that in the Olympics, it becomes a whole different type of mess. So I'm I'm interested to see if people are actually going to get COVID over there in China and if they do... How does that actually play itself yeah. out on the field? The other, the other, you know, people to watch if you guys are interested in the Olympics. I mean, Michaela Schifrin is always incredible. She's going to be uh, racing. I think she's going to be racing all of the Alpine events, but mostly slalom, giant slalom. Keep an eye out for her. Of course, you guys mentioned Chloe Kim, Sean White. They're always super fun to watch. Uh, Red Gerard in the uh, snowboard freestyle. Um, he won the gold last time. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Jesse Diggins, if you guys are interested in cross-country skiing, she won the first ever gold medal uh, at the Olympics for the U.S. in that event. She also won the Tour to Ski this year, uh, first time to, that an American person has ever done that. Uh, there are a million more names to list. The, the women's hockey team is going to be fantastic. 
Uh, our bobsled teams are going to be fantastic, men's and women's. They're always yeah. up there in the competition. Uh, so watch watch everything you can. If you're like me and you love these winter sports, it's going to be a really, really fun two weeks. Yeah, definitely. And if Sean White wins the gold medal this time, I think he'll be the oldest snowboarder to ever win a medal at 35. I believe so, yeah. And uh, we're going to go finally into winners and losers, our last segment here. Jack, you want to take it away first? Yeah, this is a little, this is a week late, but I got to give it to him. I've, he's been my guy all year. My winner, of course, is Matthew Stafford. At, after years of playing in the dumps in Detroit, one year he gets traded to the Rams, and he is officially going to the Super Bowl. He has proved all the naysayers wrong, and he is one win away from immortality. For me, my loser is the Major League Baseball Players Association and the league itself. This has been a disastrous week in terms of trying to get this lockout finished. Uh, the Major League Baseball, uh, the owners and, and the commissioner, they wanted to bring in a federal bargaining group to help bridge the gap between the two sides, and the players rejected that. All the plans from both sides have been rejected by the other side to this point. Yep. It was pretty uh, pretty eventful on both sides this week. There was a lot of anger uh, from both parties, and spring training is only supposed to be two weeks away. I can't see us starting on time. No and. Way. At some point, we may get to the point where we don't play 162 this year for the second time in three seasons, which would be a disaster. So baseball as a whole is my loser. Yeah. And after we sign Max. I just want to say, first of all, how are you not in the Olympics if you've done curling before? Where's your highlight film, Jack? (laughs) (laughs) See my mom's. All right. All right. All right. right. (laughs) Um, My winner, and this is, well, first of all, my loser is the L.A. Lakers. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but my win- I'm for for real, my winner I'd say is Ken Dorsey this week. Um, a little bias here. Ken Dorsey was the assistant offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of the Buffalo Bills. He worked uh, also with the Carolina Panthers from 2013 to 2017. Uh, helped develop Cam Newton. Uh, my winner is Ken Dorsey. I mean, Ken Dorsey gets a well earned promotion from a quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden, you said to me that uh, Daniel Jones is a Walmart Allen. I'm happy that. Uh, Ken Dorsey stayed with the actual Allen, not with the Wish.com Josh yeah. Allen. Um, but I think Ken, Dor- Ken Dorsey deserves it, and I'm excited for him. My, my loser of the week is, the is, is in a way, the WNBA because of a little bit of uh, a comments that got made uh, about a week ago. Uh, as you guys know, Becky Hammond got hired as the Aces head coach uh, with a $1 million contract. And as has now been pointed out, that is almost four times larger than the maximum salary That's so ridiculous. for a for a WNBA player this is a similar reaction to college athletes especially college football players at D1 schools their coaches getting paid multi-million dollar contracts without them getting a dime this is something that i mean i can understand why the teams would want to would want to hire somebody the hire the best possible person and pay them as much as they possibly can but this is just another thing that is showing the reason salaries in the WNBA aren't higher is because owners are saying they don't have the money to pay people that much, but they have the money to pay a head coach four times that amount. Well, it's because she, she's also going to be the GM in, in addition to the coach, but still, it's okay, ridiculous. But, you should not have a coach or a GM that's getting paid more than any player. Exactly, yeah, no especially way. when the argument for not paying players more is that you don't, you can't afford to pay players more because the league doesn't draw on enough revenue. If it doesn't draw on enough revenue, what, how are you paying a coach a million dollars? And it's not that Hammond doesn't deserve it. She's going to be a fantastic coach, and I think the Aces are going to be really fun to watch this year if you guys watch the WNBA. But it's bad looking. Yeah. Any any last words from the four of you guys? 
We'll be back next week, and we'll be all week. about the Super Bowl. We will be back next week. Thank you guys for taking a listen to Agree to Disagree on VIC. We will be back in a week, so keep on listening to VIC Radio. we got more sports coming up next and all of today and tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you later.